Hi, this is Michelle. One of the most popular episodes I have done so far has been the PTSD episode I recorded with Ash. And um, if you haven't listened to that one yet, definitely go and check it out. So I have decided to bring another PTSD episode to you today. And this is also a vocation related PTSD incidents and um, there is so many reasons in life where people can get things like PTSD and anxiety and depression Um, but it's nice to really take a moment to honour those people who are serving our community who um, really deal with difficult things every day and put themselves in danger and really have to come up against a lot of things emotionally. So this story today is also a difficult one, but I think it's a really important one. And it's not easy, there are tears, but I think it's really important that we speak out about mental health and make it okay for people to have these conversations. So, thanks for listening, and I hope you have a beautiful day. It must be really interesting for a psych nurse to deal with their own condition, because intellectually you know exactly what's happening. But it's this that juggle of um, yourself intellectually and yourself emotionally. Absolutely. It was a wall that I kept hitting because I would have the thoughts and the emotions. And then in my head, I'm like, but I know that's not true. But I know that's this and this and this. But I know it's going to be like that. So I was constantly like battling with myself in what I was feeling and what I knew. Michelle Edwards. I am the author of a novel called Chronicle of Endings, but I want to continue the conversation. It's a conversation about the different endings we face across the course of our lives, and ultimately about all the beginnings that open up after. I want to speak to men because men don't always have the place or the permission to talk openly about their difficulties the way women do. But I want to speak to women too because we are all the same human beings trying to navigate the same universal human experiences. Mostly through these interviews, I want to have the opportunity to speak directly and openly with you. Each guest's experiences will allow you to reflect on your own, about the endings you have faced and the ones you are yet to face, the mindset and actions which brought these people through their difficult times will, in turn, speak to you about your own. Because whether it's a novel a podcast, or just two mates finally speaking about things that matter over a beer. 
Words. Words have the power to change people, to change their lives, to change yours. So, can we talk? I'm Anne and I'm from America. Hi Anne, welcome to Chronicle of Endings. Thank um, you. So, what is your ending, Anne? So my ending was, um, is of a 17 year job where I've been a, a nurse on a psychiatric unit, um, on a pretty busy, very, very, um, very acute unit. And I've been a nurse there for 17 years. It was, um, really the only nursing job I've ever wanted was to be a psychiatric nurse. So for me, as difficult as it was, it has always been really a good job to have and uh, ended quite suddenly actually after um, some events at work that made it difficult to go back. So the ending was um, and still is pretty fresh with me as something that I look back on and think of as a, uh, a great regret that's not the way I, I planned on ending my job and possibly my career as a nurse mm. so let's talk more about why this ending had to happen and the scenarios that led up to led up to what happened okay so um the issues that came about were issues of safety on the unit issues of it not being a safe unit for patients or for staff members. We were increasingly having um, incidences of violence, uh, which were really getting escalated by, as the years went by. Um, a decision was made, I believe, about a year prior to my leaving to make our unit a highly acute unit so that they would divide um, the three units that we had into a, acute, which was us, subacute and then just a baseline you know very non-acute unit so that decision i think made a big change in in how things went at work with uh, more violence um, and more problems creeping up they did put in place um, some safety factors uh, having security in our unit having special people on our unit who were there just for safety but that wasn't always being followed as it should have been. So the safety was still a huge issue. And there were scenarios where you really feared for your health, for your life. What was that Absolutely. like? Absolutely. When, when you have um, a unit that is highly acute and you have numerous people there who are volatile, um, you have patients who are psychotic, but also patients who are there high on drugs that um, that are very strong and very, very out of it so that they do things that they would not normally do. We had um, numerous patients from the prison population um, that would come in, homeless people who just needed somewhere to be. So it was a big mix of a lot of patients. And absolutely, when things went down, when somebody got out of control, they would tell you that they were going to hurt you. They would tell you that they are that they didn't care if they ended up back in prison because they had been there already. Um, so a lot of violence, a lot of um, patients who were um, who would attack nurses, who would attack other patients. Um, 
and it, it was a very frightening place to be. But having said that, I've been a psych nurse for 27 years. So some of that I know comes with the territory. You know, I know that is part of our, our role and our jobs, but it really got to the point where it was very scary, did not feel safe at work, did not feel that um, the things were being taken care of as they should have been. And that we were second guessed when we would um, try to take care of something, they would, you know, look at the cameras and they'd come back and say, why didn't you do this, this or this. And that's really hard when you're in the middle of a volatile situation, right, to kind of do everything by the books. So that came into play as well, where we were being second guessed with what we did or how we did it. Um, and it was pretty clear that management was not uh, not on board with and not even on the same page as we were, you know, when we would let them know that, that I just feel, I, I felt that um, at the end management was not able to listen to us when we would let them know that things were too acute. We shouldn't take on an extra patient or we shouldn't take on this acute of a patient because of what we already had on the unit. And I don't believe we were being heard at all. I believe the thought process was the bed needs to be filled. The patient needs a bed and you're going to get that patient regardless of, of, you know, your judgment or not. Yeah. So were all the nurses working there feeling the same way? I believe so. Um, there were much, a big, very, very big turnover, unfortunately, on our unit where uh, when I first started nursing, it was really working with nurses who had been nurses for a long time, who had been in this career, you know, lifelong and who retired from this kind of career you know they started and they retired from being being on these units and very seasoned nurses um it came to be where the turn turnover was so high that that in itself was a safety issue you had new nurses training new nurses you had people with very little experience um in charge of a unit you know of very old people so it became evident that that was in itself a safety issue but as the older nurses started to leave, younger nurses who were hired would not stay for a long time. So those two was a just constant turnover. I believe one of the nurses had done a count and in seven years that she looked back, we had had 67 nurses leave. And uh, when there was violence on the ward, what kinds of things would happen? Well, we had patients who would throw things across the room, a patient who would punch another patient in the head. Um, you know, doctors were injured being punched. Um, so oftentimes, you know, it's redirecting patients as to what they can or cannot do. Unfortunately, when, when a patient's admitted to a psychiatric unit, a lot of their rights, a lot of their things that they normally are able to do is taken away from them, right? Their clothes is taken away from them for a certain amount of time. Their phones are not given to them. Um, there's a lot of rules to follow the phone, the phones on the unit. We only have two to be shared with 18 patients. So there's a lot of rules to follow and patients are not always happy with those rules. Um, and so then, then the, the violence would escalate or you have a patient who's demanding pain pills when, you know, it isn't ordered or, um, demanding to leave when they couldn't. So, um, this is where it would become a threatening situation. You know, they, they wanted to do the things that they wanted to do and not be, abide by the rule. So that isn't every patient, of course, but um, all you really needed was one person on the unit to be 
agitated and angry and upset to really kind of rile up the, the rest of the unit as well. Yeah. And put fear in other patients. And um, that was hard to watch, you know, because you, you, I always, always treated my patients as I would on my own family member. And that's what I would be afraid of. Like, would I allow my child to be admitted to this unit? Would I allow my mother to be admitted to this unit? And the answer, you know, often was no. That's not the kind of environment I would want a family member in. Yeah. And was there a certain incident that happened that made you decide that you couldn't come back anymore? There was. Um, at the end of my, um, the last month that I worked there, um, a patient that I had had been on one-to-one -one with a guard for a long time. And that morning he had been taken off one-to-one. -one. At the same time that he was taken off the one-to-one, -one, I was in the meeting, a staff meeting, where we were discussing safety. And um, because I spoke out about safety, because I spoke out about um, what had been going on on the unit, what I saw as a big problem, um, you know, that nobody was accountable for what they were doing. I, because I spoke out about that, it it really caused a lot of issues, I believe, with, with a lot of people who were upset about me speaking out. Um, and it was pretty evident that they were angry and upset with me. And, um, and then a couple of other incidences happened on the unit where I, I just knew that I would not be safe. I would not be protected if something happened because of having spoken out. And, and that led to you quickly not working there? Anymore. Absolutely. That led to um, a lot of anxiety for me, a lot of depression, anxiety. Um, I had suffered from PTSD earlier in my, in my career. That was over 20 years ago, but all of that just kind of came back. All of the fears of what could happen on a unit. You have to be pretty um, mentally strong to be able to be on a unit like this. You have to be with it 100%. You can't be afraid. I've worked with PB with staff members who are afraid, who would just take off and, you know, when, when stuff hit the fan, they would, they would take off. Um, but I was never that person. I always felt pretty confident, pretty strong as a nurse um, in my skills of being able to handle situations. So at this point, I felt I did not have the backing of my staff members of security um, and it was, it felt like a very unsafe place for me. It caused extreme anxiety. Um, and I started treatment for anxiety right at that time um, for anxiety and depression. And I've been under treatment since then. Yeah. And what's it like for you to have to live with this anxiety and depression on a day to day basis? It was quite um, eye-opening, first of all, as a nurse, because now I see so much, so so much clearer what my patients go through. Um, dealing with the panic, the anxiety, the uncontrollable feeling of impending doom, um, you know, just feeling that things are going to go really bad, um, the poor sleep, um, just nightmares. Um, then the medications have horrible side effects like very dry mouth or um 
other side effects that come with those medications. So really, uh, in the long run, it'll make me a better nurse, but in the short run, it's pretty a pretty horrible thing to feel that anxiety and that depression, um, that fear is, is a horrible thing. It affected really all of my relationships, my relationships with my children, my husband, um, you know, my ability to be a, a good caregiver to my mom who lives with me and has dementia, all of that was affected because the hopelessness that came along with that, um, the feeling that I couldn't go back to work, um, such a feeling of, of great loss in so many ways in my life. Do you know, and is there a high incidence of anxiety, depression, PTSD amongst Diagnosis. I have known plenty of nurses who have had anxiety um, and depression uh, in my in my career, but I don't know the numbers. I would suspect that for nurses in general, burnout. I believe, you know, the word that they use, burnout, is is often related to what goes on when you're dealing with life and death situations when you're dealing with being very responsible for things that are going on with your patients. So that stress, I believe, is pretty high. Yeah, I can imagine how, how difficult it must be on your mind and your body to have to go to work every day where you're in a situation where it's volatile and you just, you don't know what's going to happen and you don't feel safe. It must be it must be quite hard and really eat, eat away at you over time. Yeah. It's a long time for um, it to get bad enough for me to say I can't do it anymore. Long time of many incidences, of many nights driving home and thinking, oh, my God, I can't go back, um, of being so scared. In the moment when something is going on, I had always been very able. I was able to always be at the forefront, always be um, guiding how things were going to go, you know, when to call for security, when to call for backup, what are we going to do, getting the procedures ready. I, I, I was skilled at this because I've been doing it so long. It was second nature to just, you know, it clicks in. Um, and I'm glad that I left when I did because I left the week that that wasn't happening. I, I felt like I don't know what to do now. You know, I, I felt like, wait a minute, this is not safe. This is not okay. And I was afraid. And you can't go to work afraid. You can't. You can't function how you're supposed to if you're afraid. Yeah. On the other end of the spectrum, you were drawn to this particular field of nursing. What, what did you love about it? Mm, I love to talk to people. And I've always been very interested in psychology and how the mind works. And um, probably my first peak of interest was from the movie Sybil. I don't know if you're familiar, very old psych movie about a schizophrenic little girl. Um, and I saw that probably when I was 14, 15, that really piqued my interest. So I started reading more books and watching a lot of movies about it. And I was actually a hairstylist. Um, and I would just love to talk to my clients and talk and talk and talk. And 
um, I love to hear people's problems. This is part of what it, what really drew me to it was that I like to listen to people's problems and help them problem solve. So one of the clients that we had at the salon was a psychiatrist and she said, you know, you should really think about working in psych. And the quickest way to do it, she said, is to be a psych nurse. Cause I don't, you know, I was not prepared to go to school to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist. So she said it, planted the seed, I applied and, and the rest is history. I, I only wanted to be a psych nurse. Then the more I heard about it, the more I read about it, the more interested I was. And it still is my passion. I, I love my psych patients. I love um, teaching, uh, teaching families about symptoms and, you know, what to do next and what to expect. This was a great big passion of mine. So I don't regret one minute of having chosen that career. And do you think your love of these patients does help them to get through their days, does help them to heal, does help them to be calm and, and does help you in your nursing? I think absolutely it shows. I, I've been told many times by patients that they, they can really tell by family members even more. Our patients are really sick when they come in. So Oftentimes, they're not very open to listening to anything we've got to say, but family members, you know, I've been told many times that, that they really felt that I cared and that they, they could tell that I cared, and they would reach out, and they would contact me years later. I have, I have a family member who 20 years later is still, you know, would still reach out and let me know how their patient was doing and how their son had been, and um, people who will come back every once in a while and, you know, just thank you, and mm-hmm. Pretty much psych nursing is the thankless part of, of, of nursing because people are so sick, oftentimes coming from very sick families as well. So other kinds of nursing, you know, you, you hear of people bringing gifts and bringing little things and sending a pizza and psych nursing, we're always like at the bottom of that, of that spectrum. We don't get that feedback from our patients or our families very much, but I know that I made a difference in a lot of people's lives. Um, and that, and that makes me feel good. Yeah, I can imagine the the populations who are coming from prison or homeless. They really wouldn't get a lot of individual care and love. I imagine in many in many cases. Absolutely, you could tell. Um, you know, you could really tell in people's faces and their demeanor. Um, it is, it is a tough, it's a tough job. I mean, sometimes we are releasing patients back to the homeless shelter. That is so sad. Or a young person comes in and has been kicked out of their parents' home and they have nowhere to go, you know, and we're releasing them to a homeless shelter. And how sad is that? You know, it's it, with nothing, with nothing. So we would, we do have a closet at work where we gather, um, all kinds of donations. So, you know, we could give them clean outfits and nice, you know, decent shoes to wear. If we have it in the closet in their size, we give them everything we can to at least give them a little, a little leeway when they walk out. Some patients come in with bags of all of their belongings. So they'll come in with like nine huge garbage bags of everything they own because they've got nowhere to go back to. It's a heartbreaking job sometimes. Um, you know, it used to be when I first started where we would get a nice, you know, we would get a mix. We'd have, we may have one or two patients like that. And then we'd have, you know, 
middle-aged housewives who had depression and you know uh just normal run-of-the-mill and then it started to be where we are mostly dealing with acute patients and then that became you know very hard so what are some of the tools that you have to try and help you live and get through this um this depression and anxiety and PTSD that you have been experiencing? So I did take, um, I did go to intensive outpatient treatment, which is, which was provided by um, my insurance. And that is where you meet up with uh, other patients via Zoom now because of the COVID. And you talk about different skills, you talk about different symptoms, you go over um you know how we're coping and that was extremely helpful because it really made me feel not alone it was helpful in a lot of ways but in other ways i couldn't talk about what actually got me there i couldn't talk about the fact that i was here because i felt unsafe at my job or because of the incidences that happened on the psych unit because these are psych patients that i'm in this group with and i didn't ever want to make one of them afraid to be admitted when they needed to be admitted because of something that i had said so while it was helpful, I was also hindered because I couldn't speak of it. I couldn't say not one word about why I was having depression or anxiety or PTSD, just that I was, you know, and I could say it was work-related, but I never told any of them what I did. Um, but in that group, we did learn about different coping skills, um, some breathing exercises, some art therapy, um, meditation, and um, you know, just relaxation techniques that really helped kind of adding tools to your toolbox of what to do. Um, but at that point where I first left work, I was so very ill that I couldn't have benefited as much as I should have from that group because I was really having a tough time. So, um, while I really appreciated it and I, I did get some great benefits from it, I feel a lot of it was lost because I was in such high high state of anxiety at that point. And for myself, I do art. Um, just a self-taught artist. I've been doing it for the past two years. Um, and I really find that, that that is a saving grace. When I'm really, really anxious, though, I can't paint. Um, if I'm really depressed, I feel like a huge block. I can't do it. But when I'm able to, I truly enjoy it. And that, that has been something that truly has saved me, I think. It must be really interesting for a psych nurse to deal with their own condition because intellectually you know exactly what's happening. But it's this that juggle of um, yourself intellectually and yourself emotionally. Absolutely. It was a wall that I kept hitting because I would have the thoughts and the emotions. And then in my head, I'm like, but I know that's not true, but I know that's this and this and this, but I know it's going to be like that. So I was constantly like battling with myself in what I was feeling and what I knew, right? What I would tell my patients, because this is something that I've been doing forever. So um, to hear somebody say, you know, uh, try this, try this, try this. And then be like, you know what? 
that's the advice I give to people. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work when you're this sick, right? So it was it was frustrating and very difficult to I suppose like it would be like a you know a, an oncologist getting cancer. I mean it's just you know, but there's nothing you can do about it. You've got it, right? You you've got it and you need to cope with it the best you can. So um and physically, a medical mentally this took a huge toll, but physically, I had a lot of physical symptoms, um, pain and discomfort and a lot of physical things that happened to me at the time. And I'm sure it's pretty much all related. You know, when your mind is, when you're not doing well mentally, I believe that affects your physical being as well. So having to deal with all of that um, at the same time was, was really rough. I can completely understand how you say this will make you a better nurse because you can really understand and sympathize with that gray area and just with, um, with knowing how it feels and what it's like to get through the day or to not get through the day, whatever the case may be. Yes. There were many days where I just wanted to really fall in bed and stay in bed. And the only reason I didn't is because I, I have to take care of my mom. So she has dementia. She's 88. She lives with me. So I had to, like, I had to get out of bed. There was not an option not to get out of bed, but many days I would think, boy, if I could just shut off the world and just forget about everything, um, I would, you know, and there's, there comes feelings of hopelessness, helplessness, just feelings that, you know, is it worth really to be around when you're having this kind of, of pain? Um, when just living is really uncomfortable. Um, I lost a very good friend to suicide two years ago, uh, this month, two years ago in January. And he was kind of in the place where I am now. He had actually left his job um, after being at it for 27 years. And he was as frustrated as I am with his job. And we would talk about this every day. Uh, we actually had a nursing school. So we would talk about this every day and um, made a decision to quit his job. And within a week of that, he committed suicide. So that was always in the back of my head. I'm like, wow, you know, things can get really bad and I have to really stay, keep this together. Um, because I have people who depend on me, so I have to stick around. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I can imagine, you know, so many people's purpose gets tied up with their career. And if, and if your friend found himself in a place where he felt he could no longer continue in his career, well, if you're in a bad place, that really, that, that's really a big loss in your purpose and your your reason for getting out of bed each day. Exactly. Um, and I wish, I wish there was something we could have done to intervene to, but I, but I know, I see it. When you're in that deep, dark space, you can't see that things are going to get better. You can't see all your other options out there. You can't look at it and say, you know, uh, I'm going to be okay because your mind won't allow you to see that. So 
he was admitted to a psychiatric unit. I took him to the psychiatric unit. Um, I felt they really let him down uh, with that admission and did not do everything that they could to keep him safe. And another, you know, again, it comes back to safety, you know, and I know as a psych nurse that if somebody wants to hurt themselves, there's nothing we can do to stop them. I know that. I've been doing this long enough to know that. But I also know that there are safety stops in place and they weren't followed. So that that really, um, you know, sat with me too. It's just, it's, um, it, was, it was rough. It was really one of the greatest loss in my life. So do you think you're going to be able to get through all this and move back into psych nursing? Not sure. Um, it's the big dilemma in my head. Part of me wants to go back really bad. Um, and part of me says that that's not a good idea. And it's, uh, it probably will never be a good idea again. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 57 now. I think um, I'm too old to be running around, <laughs> to be running from patients or running to rescue patients. I feel like I'm now at the point where probably a different type of nursing might be okay, but I can't think of one other type of nursing that I would like to do. I really, I love psych. So I don't know if I could find something outpatient where patients are more stable, um, a non-acute unit, you know, where we're just dealing with non-acute issues possibly, but I'm drawn to, um, I'm drawn to the, I don't want to say it's the excitement, but the adrenaline rush that you do get when you're working on an acute unit. I, if it was a safe place, you know, if we had all our safe, safety things in order as they should be, then I would go back in a heartbeat. But I know from speaking to my coworkers that nothing has changed. Um, uh, the acuity continues to be high. The incidences continue to be high. People are getting injured left and right. I really had to stop talking um, to, to several of them because that information was causing me great anxiety, great anxiety. You know, even being out and about um, in a store where if I would, if somebody would get out of hand in the store or somebody would get loud, it would cause me, you know, to have a panic attack. So when I think about going back, although I would love to, I don't think I could be in that environment anymore. Not at least not now. Yeah, I, I can understand that. So, and what makes you happy now? Mm. My sons. I have two beautiful young men in my life. My boys are 22 and 23. And uh, they are the joys of my life. Both of them are, um, one is just out of college, just started his career path and is moving to Houston in June, which makes me sad, but happy for him. Um, and my youngest is just finishing college and uh, already has a job lined up. So I'm excited, thrilled for both of those boys. And I have been married um, in July, it'll be 25 years. So I've got a great husband. I'm happy that I'm able to care for my mother. I'm very happy that I'm able to keep her home with us. That's a blessing. My art brings me great joy. 
and family. That's about that's about what I've got going on. Yeah, well, they're all wonderful things. Well, I I hope that you having these conversations can bring more awareness to nurses and to those managing nurses and um, to people who have gone through difficult experiences in their nursing careers or otherwise to really have these conversations and um, be more open I think is really helpful for so many people to feel less isolated and to raise health and safety issues so they actually get taken care of. So thank you for thank you for sharing your story. I know it takes a lot of courage. Thank you, Michelle, and thank you for listening. It is it is um I think a wonderful podcast that you've got going on. I've listened to them and I, I really love to hear the stories and uh and uh, congratulations on your podcast. No, thank you very much. Well, I wish you um, a, a very bright future, however, however it is um, at home and and at work. Thank you. Thank you. Please share this story with anyone you feel may benefit from hearing it. Or if you or someone you know have your own story to share, feel free to drop me an email at m at medwards.media.